Hello everyone and welcome to Uncle's Beach House episode 27. I'm Jackson, I'm joined by M as usual. Uh, it's anime time. It is anime time. The, the, the host, the intro is too similar, it's very confusing every time. Uh, we have a guest today. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Austin Ramsey. Hello. And uh, Austin has asked us to watch a show and that is what we've done. We've been watching Cyber Six which is a uh, Canadian cartoon? Sort of. With a <laughs> Japanese-Canadian cartoon Japanese based Canadian on an cartoon Argentine, Argentine comic. comic? Yeah. A yeah. <laughs> uh, lot of, lot of uh, history there to this. Um, but first, before we get into like, the actual um, you know, situation with Cyber 6 and what we thought of it, uh, Austin, why did you, you have us watch this? Why did you pick it? Uh, so I watched this when I was a kid, and... It was like obviously it only got the one season of thirteen episodes and then like disappeared and so I was never sure if I had seen all of the show but I remember really liking it, thinking it was really stylish and I loved the music and I loved like the interactions between the two characters and like a big thing that always like left an impression on me that I didn't understand until I was older was that I had big, I don't know if I want to be them or be with them feelings about Cyber 6 slash Adrian. Yes, it is a big uh, <laughs> capital G gender show for kids in a way that's very interesting. Yeah, so um, it was really interesting. I was really curious about like how 90s it was and how mm-hmm. like... Uh, not 90s it was and so it was interesting to see the ways that it was and wasn't a very western cartoon yeah um so the premise of cyber six uh is we follow cyber six slash adrian uh who is a genetic experiment uh who has survived and escapes and uh now fights against the created uh, like the other experiments created by uh, what is the doctor's name? Von Richter. Uh, Von Richter. Uh, yes. And um, when uh, she fights uh, as Cyber Six, she's got a big cape. Uh, and uh, in the day, uh, uh, has the secret identity of Adrian, uh, who is a man, and you know fights. Uh, Cyber Six is a woman. Adrian is a man. It is very gender about it. Uh, it's mostly very smart, con- like considered about this. Uh, it's not like a problem. It's interesting and good. Uh, it's like what makes the show interesting. And so Adrian um, teaches at school and is like uh, friends with this guy, Lucas, who's also a teacher at the school, who's like a just a big, dumb, nice guy. Absolute uh, himbo. At, like, just like the most prototypical himbo. Uh, and Lucas is friends with both uh, Cyber Six and uh, Adrian, but doesn't realize they are the same person. And um, has a, you know, there's like a crush situation going on, uh, but uh, they know him as both a man and a woman, and they're like, "Oh, but I clearly want to smash him as a man." <laughs> it's like, it's uh, one of the central conflicts at the end of the show. Um, but the actual like plot is uh, very light. It's week to week episodic. Um, does not feel like a show they expected to only get thirteen episodes uh, as they fight. Uh, not von Richter, but mostly Jose, who is von Richter's son. Uh, who is a genetically experimented clone son. It says like, the backstories don't come up as much because apparently they are way darker in the TV sh- in the original cartoon, so they they trim them back for the show. 
but uh, he is a clone son of, of Omerica, according to this, and uh, is basically just a little child um, <laughs> commanding various minions to fight Cyber Six, uh, which they do poorly each week. Uh, the other character of note is Data Seven, uh, Cyber Six's brother, who was also experimented on. And uh, instead of becoming a like gender-defying superhero, uh, he became a panther. So he's just <laughs> a normal panther. <laughs> I mean, okay, he's got he's, he's strong and intelligent, but He's a panther. He can't. He's not like an anthropomorphic can talk panther. He's a panther, <laughs> um, and that's the main cast. And they have adventures each week, and then at the end of the show, uh, there's a big cliffhanger, and it's never been resolved because, of course, it hasn't. And that's that's the show. Yep. Uh, so a couple things like uh, the comic is from '91 uh, and is drawn by Carlos Meglia and written by Carlos Trillo um, and came. It was in the Italian comics magazine Scorpio. Uh, and the thing with that is, by being '91, I feel like a lot of it makes sense. Like Cyber Six mm-hmm. as the superhero has a very like shadow vibe. It's very of uh, post Batman. Let's bring back the '30s like you know serialized superhero identities. Um, and in the original comic, she went around restoring her health by drinking blood out of the big, uh, like, Frankenstein guys, uh, which has just changed to her, like, chugging little vials of Mountain Dew in the, co- in the <laughs> cartoon. <laughs> yes. Um, which, is, uh, and obviously, like, you know, it was more explicit about how uh, Von Richter's a Nazi and fled to Argentina and, uh, you know, uh, worked on a bunch of weird Nazi experiments, and that's where this all comes from. Uh, a lot of, like, you know, Fallout of World War II pulpy media stuff that doesn't really show up in the comic, but by its absence is very apparent in the cartoon, I yes. feel like. <laughs> because he's um, called Von Richter and is, like, goose-stepping everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and his son is literally wearing a Hitler Youth outfit. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Um, but also like, because like the whole dramatics of the cartoon by being like a stylized late nineties, like cartoon, uh, just end up feeling like they are clearly riding around really dark shit and still making a cartoon that feels dark for its time in kind of the same way that like when they asked that, you know, they made Batman beyond because they thought Batman, the animated series is too dark and asked them to make it for kids. (laughs) And then they made Batman beyond a much darker series. Um, By 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 reducing things down to be like appeal to kids, the, the way in which cartoons often end up feeling like bleak in their own unique ways is really uh, fun and interesting to me. Um, yes. Which I guess I should say, I thought this uh, cartoon was incredible. I love its like weird, paranormal, like tinged, desperate. Like there is never a victory against evil. Cyber Six just goes out every night, fights these battles, has no intention of it ever like resolving. This is just what she does. It, it is just her eternal war on terror. Um, uh, and it feels like like like. 70s like uh neil adams batman or like uh like hellboy or something in that way um just this like supernatural constant war against something that's way bigger and unknowable and undefeatable um because like while individual episodes are like oh yeah here is uh jose with his like uh, frankenstein men uh it's the episodes where like there's a giant eye assaulting the city or there's werewolves uh that really stand out to me do not look in the eye. Everyone Do not look in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> she, if you haven't watched the show, uh, a giant eye attacks the city, uh, and well, it's actually it starts out as a pretty small eye, and every time it looks, you look in the eye, like it like takes you under its like thrall, um, and 
it grows bigger and gets more energy and gets more powerful. And it's flying towards a soccer stadium. Football stadium. What I, I hate myself. Betrayed my country. You can call it football <laughs> in the show, too. I know. I know. Which um, really confused me as a kid, let me tell you. Because this is a Canadian show which takes place in Japanese Europe for an Argentine cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I go to the football stadium and her only method of trying to stop it is to break into the room which controls the big screen and types, don't look in the eye on the big screen. So the entire stadium, look, don't look in the eye, what does that mean? Then a giant eye floats above and they'll go, oh, what's that? And all immediately <laughs> look in the eye. It's so good. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's it's a witch. So I I wasn't as positive at first, but the show really won me over. I think like the initial episode, like the the, the pacing in the show is a bit weird because the pacing in um many nineties cartoons is a bit weird. Like it doesn't really take the time to sit with scenes mm-hmm. for that long. Yeah. Mostly people just show up and say one line and then the next scene happens because there's a lot to get to and people just bold, boldly state the thing they're doing. And at first I was like, eh. Um, but uh, the just the characters really won me over. Uh, I was invested in um, Adrian Lucas's big-time gender bullshits. <laughs> uh, I was invested in um, just, you know, the, the animation is cool whenever there's a fight. It looks incredible, the show. Uh, even though I'm watching on, like really shitty archive.org ripped copies that cut the credits a couple seconds early so the pacing's all wrong. Um, got real bootleg VHS quality to watching the show because it's not it's it's not really that widely available. Yeah, I've been on the wish list to get a DVD copy of the show, which it's supposed to be. There's supposed to be another printing, theoretically, but uh, I've been waiting for over a year for a copy. Yeah, I watched the first six episodes on YouTube, uh, which the TMS channel, uh, the studio that animated this, just put them up. And then uh, they didn't have any past that, so then I went to Retro Crush, which is, like, fine, but uh, the ads are aggressive. And Retro Crush has, like, a weird, like, at least on my iPad, has a weird, like, resolution issue, I feel like, where everything just feels a little, like up in a way that's very strange when you're watching videos, um, which had a very, like, bootleg quality watching it. Um, <laughs> but it's freely and legally available for you to just see. Um, and uh, it, that part was fun, because it does have the quality of, like, ah, this is a thing that, like, my friend has on some real uh, bootsy, like, you know, r- quick time files that I'm going to watch on my computer. And maybe they're running too fast? I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> every th- I just like that. The aesthetic is good. God, yeah. the animation uh, is so slick. That was one of the things I was curious yes. about returning to it. Was like, it's so well animated, so smooth, so stylish. And I was looking, I was keeping an eye out for like reused animations. And there was like only three I could find. One being the quote unquote transformation sequence from Adrian to Cyber Six. Mm. Um, one being Data Seven getting out of bed. And uh, one being <laughs> that big jump where she jumps up into the air and then slams her heels down into one of the fixed ideas shoulders. Oh, you're forgetting the uh, establishing shot of uh, Lucas and the other teacher, the lady who's the werewolf, exiting the school, which they used oh, twice in the same yes. episode. True. <laughs> Quite obviously. And it was really funny. Um Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, TMS is like, uh, you know, is a long storied uh 
animation studio. Um, it's been around since the 40s. They animate all sorts of things. And in the 90s, worked on a ton of uh, American productions, or I guess North American productions. Like they did Inspector Gadget, Real Ghostbusters, uh, Batman, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Spider-Man, the animated series. Like they were just expanding into America, uh, doing like, you know, spec work at this point. Yeah, and, I was surprised uh, to see that they were the ones behind Akira, of all things. Yep, and there's a you know th- there's a lot of people. I think at TMS there's a lot of different groups and directors and stuff. But yeah. yes, I didn't know that TMS actually like did Batman. Yeah, uh, Batman was actually like a couple different studios. Uh, oh yeah, and no, if you watch the episodes or listen to the commentaries, they'll point out like this studio always messed up Batman's nose and we hated <laughs> it. <laughs> Uh, a couple of them were in Japan, so a couple of them were in Korea, I think. Um, just like, yeah. The TV production became that in the 90s, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Actually, Which is why the cartoons got way better. <laughs> yeah, that was also, also part of the reason that Cyber 6 didn't get a second season was because TMS yes. stopped wanting to do North American productions and focus on their own work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. It's, it sounded like they... Um, just like increase the price. They're like, we don't want to do this anymore. So we're making this like, you should pay us like what we should actually get. <laughs> and then America was like, oh, we can't, this doesn't really count outsourcing when it costs this much. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, actually, sort of speaking to that, um, do you two know about CanCon? No. Okay. So in 58 was when Canada got its first TV station. And. To protect against uh, American cultural hegemony, the Canadian government over the like years after that uh, imported or instated laws where uh, there are regulations that at least 60% of programming on TV has to be Canadian produced. Oh, and I did know that. 50% yes. during prime time. So, like, what counts as Canadian produced can be pretty lax. Like, Obviously, the animation for this was done by a Japanese company, but the voice cast is all Canadian, except for, like, one person. And so, like, this gets... Because of the, like, requirements for cartoons, you can get some really weird stuff that comes out of it, like Reboot and Angela Anaconda and Cyber 6. So, that's why this show exists, I'm pretty sure, is to fill the CanCon requirements of... uh, Canada's Teletoon Network, which was our uh, that's cool uh, Cartoon Network equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, so so the, one of the things I find interesting about this show, and this is true when I go back to any '90s stuff, is because of the shows I watched as a kid. Um, I'm always shocked, <laughs> like when I see actually good. I watched the X Men show, which is a famously fucking terribly animated show. <laughs> That show looks like dog shit. Awful looking show. Uh, I, I had affection for it, but like, and then I also watched the Spider Man show because I, you know, um, when I was uh, like eight, I think the Spider Man movie came out, so I became more uh, Marvel and DC, which is now I don't care about either really. Uh, but that was my way into the the comic book stuff. So I, those were the cartoons I watched, um, and then like a few years ago. And was like, you should watch a bit of Batman. I didn't, I didn't go that far with it because I, you know, bad at committing to things. Uh, but I've watched enough to be like, holy shit, this is just another world of animation on TV in the 90s. This isn't on the same planet. Um, and uh, Cyber 6 is definitely more in line with that side of things. Of just, oh, animation can look like really fucking good on TV. Yes. Uh, because, uh, yeah, it wasn't until like starting watching Pokemon and Digimon um, 
that I was like, oh, there's some cool animation here. Like, getting into the anime stuff. Didn't have the words for it then, but that was, uh, mm-hmm. that was what did it. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, like, you know, this being 99, like, the animation is more simplified. Character models are a little more, like, cartoony at this point. Like, the demands uh, had changed for what you want out of a show like this. Yes. Um, but I, it still, like, is incredibly fluid. There, there's a great shot, like, in one of the early episodes where um, Lucas falls out of a window and Cyber Six dives after him <laughs> and then, like, in midair kicks him back up into the window. And it's, like, real goofy, just breaks physics, but also looks incredible. It's the coolest shit in the world. It's very good. It's very funny. It's uh, very yes. cool. It's exactly what you want for this kind of show. Um, because it's like writing this line right of, you know, very obviously being dark. And uh, I Googled Cyber 6 just now just to, just to see. Uh, and the very first panel of the very first image of the very first uh, Google presented uh, thing from the comics, right, is definitely uh, Cyber 6 tits out on a table being yelled at. Oh great! <laughs> uh, and there's another, and there's multiple characters sits out on this page, uh, so it's just very like you know early '90s comic. Everyone looks way more exaggerated. Um, everyone's got uh, it. It doesn't like this is this is me being very limited in my. No, I'm not going to say anything. I don't have any good comic references, but everyone's face is very exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, this just looks like this just looks like indie comics from the late '80s, yes. early '90s to me. So. I don't have any actual points to point out, but it does look... Watching uh, this, it's amazing how closely I feel like the show actually captures the look of the comic. Yes. Uh, Because the comics... um, I mean, I was about to say obviously, but um, we haven't watched this over. The comics are black and white, which I feel like is very obvious, uh, given the show's aesthetic. Um, And it it looks pretty good, apart from... I mean, yeah. So everyone's... This comic is extremely post Frank Miller, though. Looking mm-hmm. at these. <laughs> okay, yes, I was gonna say everyone looks like Dark Knight Return, uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again. Um, this is of. this is like Sin City by Way of the Shadow, but also like this person really liked drawing like more contemporary looking humans, so it's just very exaggerated in the way that like indie comics are, and not Frank Miller's particular style. It's good. I like I like this aesthetic actually. This is a cool mix of influences. Yeah, uh, all of these. Um Screenshots I found on Google are like in Argentinian, uh, so there's, assume... there's definitely some of this exists in English because I'm seeing panels in okay. English. So that's cool. I don't know if it's uh, been translated at all. Yeah, um, but uh, it seems like a cool comic, and uh, the um, the energy this brings to the show is good. So like, you get introduced <laughs> the episode where they do the um, introduce Data Seven, which I think is just episode two. Yeah. Uh, is really cool because so the first episode I wasn't that into it. Um, it just kind of you know just started going. Didn't really like give me enough time to get into the characters necessarily because it was a twenty-two minute pilot of a anime show. So still got to move. Um, and then it's all based around like a silent flashback that can't get into the fact that these are all like Nazi experimented, uh, like genetic mutations like they can't really get into the tragedies of any of these characters so it has to do it all by like silent implication uh and so th- uh the episode where she meets her brother who's now a panther is very cool and that was uh what was like oh this show's cool actually to me yeah this um, show has some rough pacing issues because of the episodes being so short as you said i feel like it really could have benefited from the like justice league structure of every episode being a two-parter just yes so that they could yes. give like 
some scenes to things like uh, Cyber Six struggling with her need for the sustenance from the fixed ideas, because that only comes up in the first and last episodes, and the rest of the time it's ignored. Or her concerns about the fact that like she's not human but wants to be and sees that as a barrier to her relationship with Lucas, but that's mentioned again like twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the times that the show like does find the time for like just small moments, I think are all really good. I love all um, the scenes where Adrian and Lucas are in the cafe they always go to. Yes. Yes. They love to have their <laughs> daily uh, emotional uh, cafe chats. Not gay. Not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas flirting with both of them is so much. It's wonderful. Um, and then the various like love triangle moments... Um, are pretty funny because obviously there's not actually a third character <laughs> um but there are moments where like one of the students like uh goes to adrian's flat and is like uh, tailing him and uh you know he's in cyber sex form at the time and um <laughs> and then tells lucas this it looks like you're dating cyber six <laughs> and then, and then like, oh god no uh I, i'm leaving i can't talk about this <laughs> this is very funny <laughs> and he's mad at cyber six too he's <laughs> <laughs> like how dare you and cyber six is like oh god please we have the same face i just kind of moved my hair a bit <laughs> i put my bangs down instead of swept back I take off my glasses. <laughs> Stopped wearing baggy outfits. <laughs> yeah. Some very good uh, Clark Kent Superman bullshit going on. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's it's interesting because Adrian has, like, is just, like, this kind of, like, he doesn't quite have the, like, bumbling idiot thing that Clark Kent has. He just has, like, this good nature because he's a teacher, which gives him, like, a very specific vibe. But also, like, he just has intense, like, transmasculine vibes as that character because the, the, the mm-hmm. same voice actor voices both characters. Um, and so it just reads as, like, Lucas immediately decided to, like, protect at all costs this, like, trans man who showed up to teach at the school uh, and then yes. ended up falling for him. But also falls for his extremely hot, leather-bound alter ego, which is... <laughs> a mess it's a mess but it's it's super interesting in being a mess because it's not actually about any of that stuff like it's not it's not aware enough of that stuff to like be yes. about it it is like self-aware enough to not make it weird right it doesn't make yeah. it like part of the joke but it's definitely not trying to you know, explore gender in this way even though the fact that it doesn't do that is precisely what makes it so interesting i feel yeah um because yeah uh adrian's great um I love the like one shot of um, Cyber Six like wearing Adrian's clothes, but having the like makeup on and hair of Cyber Six. It's like such a interesting, I guess, almost juxtaposition of the two characters. Yeah, yeah, because they end up feeling really distinct in the show. So seeing them like combined like that is like like visually and like actually jarring uh, in a way that is intentional and good. Yes, because uh, like at the start, definitely there's also like you know a moment where she, um, you know, uh, flicks her hair down and then becomes Cyber Six, uh, and it's uh, weirdly um, you know 
surprisingly just good about the like ways of like oh you change a few things about your presentation and everything about how you read to people change gender it's how gender works um and uh it's good uh i'm surprised i'd never heard of the show she would just never aired in the uk at the time i um i 99 i was watching a bunch of cartoons i'd never heard of it either so i don't know how much it was in the u.s and people knew what we were when i, when I mentioned i was watching it a lot of people were uh into it so seemingly it was around people knew what it was that's cool yeah um and then lucas is also just uh to have you know you got to have your like nice but useless good-natured uh you know, love interest character can't actually do anything because not a superhero, but uh, will be nice and do uh, do his best. Lucas is a great one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like a he's like this enormous guy who's who <laughs> seems like he should be a tough. Like he when he's not hanging out with Adrian, he's wandering around the city in a trench coat, like he's like a noir main character. Um, but actually, he's just like this super nice, dumb like guy. Like he's just kind of good natured, not like super sharp on things, uh, but not like he's not like comic relief in that way other than no. he's clumsy and gets into trouble when he tries to help um and so he just ends up feeling like this normal guy who ends up being cast in this role because he's in a story right like he stumbles yes. into being this not quite protagonist of what would be like a noir but can't actually get there because it's actually a superhero story and i really like that uh, uh the the times where they're all doing noir stuff is fantastic yes um you know, there's a couple. There's one episode uh, where they, they introduce Julian, who is this kid that they hang out with sometimes, who's um, uh, like working as a pickpocket for the bad guys and like gaining them intel and stuff, and just part of their evil bad guy network or whatever. And they pull him out of that and help him, and he gets to do like cool, just like I'm a I'm a like cool noir cop in a trench coat. I've, I'm well worried. I've seen everything, but he's not. He's just a nice teacher. <laughs> um, I, I love that he sort of has like. Uh, a, char- a bit of character arc in regards to like how he wants to help Cyber Six because like in the start of the show you know he's trying to use his like clearly college or high school boxing experience and throwing fists at whatever monster of the week it is and then towards the end of the show he's just like trying to be a distraction or like do similar things like destroying the computer control system in the circus episode sort of stuff instead of actually trying to fight <laughs> it's nice just showing that he's like learning that he can be helpful but he uh can't replace cyber six yeah uh because yeah, at the start he does try to like uh you know actually do that um but uh i feel like yeah he uh, settled into a great role in the dynamic at the end and then um like the the big ending um thing is uh <laughs> like he finally kisses cyber six at the end and um cyber six like uh flies away crying basically just saying that like no this isn't the real me <laughs> you know uh d- does not want uh, uh lucas to be with cyber six wants lucas to be with adrian um and this never gets resolved because she explodes explodes uh while escaping from um the monster of the week that week and which is a massive monster just fucking sin from final fantasy 10 shows up but it's a bomb but it's a bomb 
and blurs up, destroys Von Richter's lab. Uh, and uh, the last thing we see is her like touching the uh, escape door, but we don't see if she actually survives. And she survives, but you know, uh, didn't actually get to make season two uh, and follow up on that cliffhanger. Uh, and um, then, then you get to see like a really sad scene of uh, Lucas eating uh, at that cafe, and then like you see Adrian there, and he just fades out of existence. It's like a small moment, but it really is uh, just the fucking um, eating eggs uh, montage from Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> As Lucas now just has no one. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Well, not actually. He doesn't have no one. Let's be real. I mean, yes, but like for the end of the show, that's how, like because they never get to follow up on it. The last thing we see of Lucas is his like soulmate disappearing from existence. Well, then there's the bit where he's walking, like at the night, like in that night, he's walking the city he's... back to being alone, and looks mm-hmm. up and sees the light on in uh, yeah. Cyber Six's apartment. Yes, um, and the adventures will continue. <laughs> I mean, I think this. I think the show has a good supporting cast. Like, not only do you have uh, Lucas, but you have Laurie, who's like the delinquent girl who's in love with Adrian. Um, just like you know, she's a student, and he Adrian is very uh, good about just like not engaging with that. But because of that, she ends up wrapped up in their bullshit, and is the person who seemingly finds out that Cyber Six is uh, Adrian at the like end of the show. Yes, um, which is really good. Um. Because yeah, uh, she's the one that tracks, uh, you know, tracks him back to his house and finds out what's going on. Because she's just like a uh, student with both an axe to grind and a crush. It's very, very good, very good character. Yeah, and then you have like Julian, who's like the like you know the urchin scamp character, but is not annoying for once, which is nice. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's honestly impressive how not annoying he is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And then you just have, like, I feel like the the, ep- the episodes that focus on individual characters are pretty good. Uh, like, there's that one private detective who I think is very good in his episode. Yashimoto. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who is, like, forced to track down Cyber 6 by Jose because he, uh, Jose kidnaps his sister. <laughs> the one um, non-white character. Him and his sister. Yep. <laughs> and, um... That you know does that they you know we're working out they save the day uh, and it's just like a cool character. Uh, there's the werewolf lady. Uh, yes, who hits on Lucas and turns him into a werewolf, Lucas and that's all werewolf. ridiculous. Lucas is a werewolf. They should have kept Lucas being able to just be a werewolf. <laughs> he does. He does become a werewolf, and they do have to, like status quo reasons change him back to complete normal. But, yeah. Uh, Werewolf Lucas. <laughs> Imagine if Werewolf Lucas and Data Seven were just like Cyber Six's wingmen when she goes into battle. This show the, was twenty years before its time. The dreams for a second <laughs> season. <laughs> if they made this show now of basically exactly the same, it would be huge. They could, yes. they could even give it a serialized storylines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I don't even know if I want that. I want, like, serialized character development. I want serialized storylines on the relationship side, but not yeah. necessarily. I don't need a huge, uh... Yeah, the monster like, of the week is mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I did want Adrian <laughs> and Lucas to resolve something <laughs> at some point. These dumbasses. Um, I also really like... There's an episode near the end with a, like... 
basically like the predator but she's like a weird fish reptile woman called griselda the whole episode is just her chasing cyber six trying to destroy her uh the summary of these episodes which retro crush i think just pulled from wikipedia for these uh of this episode in particular is very funny after hours of conflict griselda a reptile woman falls off from a bridge to her death (laughs) that's it yes that's it Because uh, the whole episode is her being like tasked with getting Cyber Six, and she's the one person who can actually do it. Like they they just have this chase that's all through the city as she finds out Cyber the, the Adrian is Cyber Six and goes after him. And uh, because he's trying to be Adrian, can't figure out how to like handle this and still like fight. Um, and it gets to the point where like you know Cyber Six really is get is getting run around but in doing that Griselda realizes that Cyber Six is the one person who can actually defeat uh, you know all of this trouble and save the day and she's also an experiment so she's like well I guess I'm just going to leave it to you you're the one who's strong enough Um, (laughs) and it's good yeah, Cyber Six often ends up winning over the like tragedy experiments because they're all like she's fighting against other experiments like these are all technically innocent people that have just been uh, undergone extreme trauma at the hands of evil Nazi doctor, um, and um, a lot of the time when like you know she connects will like sacrifice himself for her or like come to some understanding of like oh no we're all in this awful situation, uh, and it's good it's a good um, formula I think yeah there's this through line through the whole series that I didn't pick up on as a kid about like how people relate to their trauma like parental trauma with like cyber six being the person that got out from under her uh like abusive quote-unquote father and then jose Mm -hmm. still being under his thumb and constantly wanting to impress him like giving jose a touch of sympathy for an otherwise cartoonishly evil character uh yeah the jose stuff is interesting they don't do much with it they they like lean into it a little at the end as jose is basically the reason the town is saved but not because he's trying to save the town yeah <laughs> uh he's just trying to uh kill von richter so he can be the cool guy because he's tired of um being yelled at by being his yelled dad at by his fucking evil dad yeah uh, and uh yeah i think i think it's well handled um <laughs> there's a bit in I think it's the second to last episode where Von Richter calls Jose, which is how a lot of episodes begin with uh, Von Richter being like in shadow on the big screen, and like here's uh, the experiment for this week's episode. Go do the stuff, and <laughs> Von Richter's, um, Jose's like, "Yeah, oh, Dad, is that you?" And then Von Richter says, "Yes, no one else calls you." <laughs> it was very funny. It's just all this person's life is is getting called up by. Uh, his evil clone dad and then doing his evil schemes and being defeated uh, like it's definitely knowing about the like absurdity of like the routine of a monster of the week ca- cartoon yeah with you know a villain that gets defeated every week but how to still make that threatening and interesting also because cyber six knows who he is and everything like when they interact she like it'd be really easy if if this was just uh von richter to like you know when she does it confront von richter she's like i'm going to stop you i'm going to like you know kill you or whatever in the final episode but because jose is a kid she just interacts with him like he's a kid like he is a problem to be like persuaded to stop not someone who needs to be destroyed and i like yes. that yes uh because he yeah he is just a child and it's not like 
there are other experiments in the show that are like weird, right? It's not like he's like a oh super advanced intelligence with a child's body. No, he's literally just a kid. He's a weird bratty kid who happened to be born into being a Nazi and uh, you know has to be fought, uh, but it's definitely aware of like the weirdness of his status as also uh, von Richter's creation. Yeah, um, and her being able to like be compassionate about that is really good. Uh, because she often is the person who's able to extend that sort of consideration to others, um, which is, I, I think, is like a good like why she's a teacher. Like you know, all that stuff feeds into the alter ego as well. Um, I wish there was more time for the teacher stuff because I actually do really like it. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if there was like a slice of life episode if the show had the space for that, where it was like, you know, like a, a Adrian running some club for the for the students <laughs> yes. or something, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you get bits and pieces of that when he's like reading literature or poetry to them, but a whole, a whole like, I mean, school festival episode kind of thing would be rad as fuck. Like yes. I say, if they made this show now, it'd uh, make so much money. Oh god, <laughs> you ready for a fucking Voltron discourse about Cyber Six? Let's go. I I would be into that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is definitely one of those that would go all over the place, right? Yep, it'd be a real, it'd, oh, oh. I mean, depends how they handled it, but, um, I'd love to see this show attempted again, because I think, I mean, it would obviously be huge. I feel like it's not even a question, given, you know, the place, uh, kids' cartoons are at, the least, these kind of ones that are also slightly more mature, and, um, aimed at people in their 20s on Twitter and Tumblr. Mm-hmm. I guess Tumblr is not as much anymore, but, you know. Uh, they do that knowingly. It's the it's how these shows are advertised, uh, and I think that uh, this show would be very, very successful if someone gave it another shot. Yeah, the dream. Uh, yeah, I mean it's really stylish. Uh, it, it, I would, I would uh, love to see what this would look like with like you know a real budget behind it and modern sensibilities. I don't know if you could capture this, but if it looked the same, I'd be really excited. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I assume they would change the art style. Um, cause, uh, I, I, modern cartoons just do not look like this. Yeah. But, uh, it's not going to happen. Oh, here's the thing we haven't mentioned. The ridiculous theme tune. Um, I love it so, so much. the main one or like the, the, so the composer of this is, uh, someone called Robbie Finkel. And as far as I can tell, all he's mostly done past this is like edutainment software games, which makes sense to me because the way in which the themes transition, like reeks of CD-ROM to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it's like, it's like, there's like six songs and the way they just kind of like, when the scene hits that dramatic moment, you play the theme too, um, is never not super charming to me. But also the music is like, doing batman light like it's clearly like riffing on shirley walker's like let's go back to like 30s and 40s and do like a big orchestral score but with just the most like cheap midi instruments it's very cute i love it a lot actually jose's theme is a real uh (laughs) real one of those those cheap cheap sounding horns are great but i i really love the uh the opening theme and the end theme are uh hold special places in my heart they're, they're one of those like uh op- themes that have been on my ipod my metaphorical ipod for years ever since i got one <laughs> yeah 
and I think they also do like, you know, uh, the the lyrics do a surprisingly good job of uh, conveying the theme of some one of the themes of the show about love overcoming fear and uh, helping one survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the show's really good about that because that's like a very basic theme of a lot of shows, right? Um, but I feel the show really invests in cells like. Uh, just Adrian and Lucas as very empathetic characters uh, in a way beyond like, oh, love wins, which means we don't always fight the guy or whatever. I feel like it invests in that in a way uh, that is uh, that is good. Um, uh, yeah. I'm looking on Wikipedia, looking at some of the, like, the directors on the show, seeing who, seeing like, who, you know, was made in Japan. Do I know what other people have worked on? The director of the episode... Uh, the eye with all the cool eye shit is like a key animator on multiple Ghibli movies. Oh, good, nice. Um, she worked on uh, yeah, Mononoke. Worked on uh, Summer Wars, not a Ghibli movie, but like just a bunch of stuff that I know is cool. Um, which uh, explains why you know all of that stuff's cool. Uh, you know, uh, one of the other regular directors, key animator on Ghost in the Shell. Um, just uh cool stuff all around did you look up voice actors i did (laughs) yeah i looked up a couple mostly because everyone is uh you know canadian voice talent it's you know ocean dub dbz and uh (laughs) my little pony for literally every the entire cast (laughs) yep um, some Gundam in there, there, which is pretty funny yes there was just one (laughs) there's the Gundam that was worth noting which is the uh uh, Lucas is a duked male and also General Revel. Yes. Which I found very funny. Well, Cyber Six is uh, Dorothy Catalonia and Catherine Bloom in Wing and Mirai in uh, yep. the original and uh, Shars Counterattack. That's so beautiful! Cyber Six is Dorothy! <laughs> yep. The stars of animation. <laughs> I was listening... Oh, I, I mean, I watched this week's... Uh, Gundam episodes, and I could not. Tell. We have not. We have not. I, I wasn't no, going to give spoilers. Careful. I was just going to say I could not <laughs> tell the voice. Like surprisingly different. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I'm not watching. I am not watching Gundam that way anymore. So. Yeah, no, all Japanese for us. Yeah, but I watched. I watched a good three seasons of My Little Pony, and uh, Spike doesn't sound like either Cyber Six or Adrian. That was. I know it's been a long time, but that was actually what clued me in. Was um, there's like a, just a hint of Adrian in Spike's voice to me, but. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any other? Um... Yeah. Any other final Cyber Six thoughts? It's not like a very deep show, but I've, I feel like this conversation is good. I, uh, I really you. like this show. Uh, yes. I was really surprised by it because uh, I thought the opening looked cool, but I'm like, you know, 90s, late 90s cartoons can be really hit or miss. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I ended up really doing this. Uh, I kind of want to read the comics, see if I can find some scanlations and uh, pick up this DVD if it ever gets a reprint. My my one last uh, Cyber Six related thought that we haven't covered is that in the same year, at like the same time that Cyber Six came out, there was another cartoon that came out called called Cyber Nine. And what? Yeah, X Cyber spelled with an X instead of a C. 
And then the number nine, it was some like sci-fi post-apocalyptic show that I remember. Cyber Nine New Dawn. This is a Saban Entertainment show. Yeah. And so I was wondering. It was canceled in 10 episodes. (laughs) Yeah. If it uh, had something to do with like Cyber Six getting bad ratings, which was another like what a secondary reason stated for not getting a second season is if uh, the similarity of This looks like a show I'd hate. I've, I've, I've got it lined up. I'm going to check it out uh, later this week, probably, and see because I remember watching a couple episodes and seeing what it's actually like, and I'm guessing bad. Not to judge uh, entirely just by screenshots here, but this show looks fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, you'll have to let me know, because uh, goddamn. This has some real, like, we made He-Man but in space energy, which is not really my scene at all, so. It's really just the fact that he's lifting up the thing in the He-Man pose. <laughs> also, this, like, red-headed girl has, like, a, it's space, but I also kind of look like a cave person, because I got the weird, like, bone choker and big hair. Kind of looks like, uh, what's-her-face from Chrono Trigger to me. <laughs> okay. But red hair. Not as cool as Chrono Trigger, but. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, you have to let me know because uh, this show looks weird. Nineties <laughs> <laughs> yes. cartoons. They made a whole bunch of them. Yeah, a young orphan reactivates Zyber Nine, becoming the chosen one. I had a bunch of toys. I see a bunch of pictures of toys here. So, yeah, if it wasn't going to be a uh, Cyber Six, I was going to suggest the other two nineties cartoons I was considering. But uh, decided against because I know you two don't want to be the the mech folk all the time. Was uh, the BattleTech cartoon and Big Guy and Rusty? Uh, the first is terrible. The second one is great. <laughs> but I've actually yeah I've heard good things about Big Guy and Rusty. I don't know if that counts as a mech. Does it? Does he get in Rusty or is it just like a big, uh, the big guy robot is a, pet? The big guy is a mech, but like oh, the, the, big the show's okay. conceit is that everyone thinks it's a robot because it's basically a failed U.S. military project. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thank you very much for having us watch this. Uh, this was ended up being way more of a treat than I expected. I'm glad. Um, yeah. Uh, and where can people find you on the internet? A bunch of different places. You can find me on Twitter at not an in. That's n o t a n i n n. You can find my game design work at austin-ramsey.itch.io. Uh, such one. My big game is Beam Saber, but I've got other games there. And I also do a podcast called You Don't Meet in an Inn, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. And that is a uh, actual play podcast focused on obscure tabletop role-playing games that we've been doing since 2014 and uh been we play a whole bunch of different games with a rotating cast and it's a good time cool um before we do plugs jackson next time we'll be back in two weeks to talk about kaiba which is the masaki yuasa show it's 12 episodes you can uh, get it wherever you find your anime I didn't yep. look up if it's streaming anywhere, but it's on my Plex server, so I'm watching it there. <laughs> I don't think it's streaming. It's, it's, it was kind of hard to find, but you know, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. It might be. It could be on some service. <laughs> Things hmm. have changed. Plugs, Jackson. I'm at HeadfulsOff on Twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and I do at AbnormalMapping.com. Uh, enjoy them. They're good. Uh, we are back with repertory screenings this week. 
Yeah, we're recording that right after this. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, if you want to support our network, you can do so at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. For $1 a month, you get Great Gundam Project. We're currently in the back half of Gundam Wing and finishing up Space Runaway Ideon. It's been a great time. Uh, it's been a wild season. We're prepping for next season. Uh, Austin's going to be on an episode that season, so that'll be exciting. Yeah. yeah. Be here before you know it. Um, and I think that's everything. So... We don't have an outro. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. It can end as suddenly as a Cyber 6 episode. <laughs> um, because I was watching a Retro Crush, I knew exactly when the Cyber 6 episodes end because I'd get a ad right before the credits like a proper cartoon on television. It was <laughs> because very I was watching uh, from Rips on Archive.org, I would also get the Nicktoons type, I don't know if it was Nicktoons, whatever, some fake whatever channel this was on a mascot would run across the scene during usually the scene where the monster died <laughs> <laughs> because it's close enough to the end God. I'd be like next up on what was next up on after Cyber 6 uh, I don't remember it, it oh, wouldn't okay. actually show that it was just more of a logo it wasn't like actually showing details okay uh, but it was very funny <laughs> great alright we're done goodbye everyone thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs>